Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. This year, we are walking through the whole Bible together as a church family, day by day and week by week. We meet at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person or catch our online gatherings by checking out our website at www.newgarden.church. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It's so good to be with you this morning. Well, with you as good as I can be. Now, many of you probably already know our son tested positive for COVID on Thursday, and so we are quarantined at home this morning. If this is your first time with us at New Garden, my name is Jeff. I'm the lead minister, and I'm so excited that you have joined us today. Again, I wish I were able to be there in person, but since we've been talking about wisdom and asking ourselves, based on our current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do, I had to apply that to myself and say, the wise thing to do when you might have COVID is stay at home. So even the preacher has to apply the lessons we talk about. But even though I'm coming to you on video this morning, let's still try to have some fun today because today is a special day. It's back to school Sunday, and we want to celebrate all of our teachers, our school faculty today. So thank you for making an impact on our community and our world by helping shape the next generation with your knowledge and your wisdom. Now, if you haven't picked up your goodie bag yet, make sure you grab one on your way out. It's just one way that we want to encourage you as you begin another school year of teaching our students. Now, if you haven't been with us, Our church has been on a year-long journey through the Bible. We began in January in Genesis, and we will end in Revelation in December. What a great way to celebrate Christmas. But uh, the challenge this year is to read through the whole Bible. But the goal is that we would have the opportunity every day to be in God's Word and allow God's wisdom to speak to us. So if that's something you are interested in, We have a ton of resources on our website by going to newgarden.church slash 2021. You're going to find our reading plan, book reviews, a Facebook group where you can discuss questions. And we also do a Zoom meeting on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. where we read the Bible together. We talk about it. So don't feel like you have to play catch up from the very beginning. You can begin wherever and whenever, but I do invite everybody to join in. It has been a great journey so far, and I look forward to reading the rest of the Bible together. Now, as for today, we are in week 34 of our series, Long Story Short. Last week, we looked at a passage from Proverbs 22.3, which says, Wise people see danger and go to a safe place, but foolish people keep going and suffer for it. Now, it was a family Sunday last week, and all of our kids were in the auditorium, so we broke this verse down into three action steps. Does anybody remember those three words? Maybe a few people are saying them. Stop. Think. Act. When you're faced with a situation, before you make a decision, it is wise to stop, give yourself time to think, and then act. Stop think, act. And the adults, we took this a step farther. We said, when I think about my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what 
is the wise thing to do. This is a question we can ask before every decision, before every opportunity. This is the question that has the potential to save you a lot of time, to save you a lot of money. It has the potential to save a relationship. It could save a marriage. It could help you retire on time. It could keep a child from leaving or bring one back home. The question we should continually ask, what is the wise thing to do? Not the legal thing to do. Most of us already know what the legal thing to do is. Not even what the right thing to do. Right wants to draw lines and be as close to the line as we can get. This is better than legal. It's better than right. It's maybe even better than what can I get by with? It may be even better than what would Jesus do? Because legal and right and what Jesus would do, those are all good questions. But this question is better. And we apply that question in light of our past our present, and our future. So in light of your past experience, in light of what you have gone through in life, because your past is not my past. My past is not your past. And there are things in our past that should influence how we act today. We said, ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? In light of your current circumstances, I just got a new job. What's the wise thing to do? I just graduated. What's the wise thing to do? I just had a new child or my child got COVID. What is the wise thing to do? And then we said, you should ask in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? In, in light of the person you want to marry someday, what is the wise thing to do? In light of what you want to tell your kids one day, what is the wise thing to do? In light of things that you've struggled with in your past, looking at the future, what's the wise thing to do? Now, this is not for everyone. What's the wise thing for me to do? And we started last week in the book of Proverbs because Solomon, who was said to be one of the wisest men to ever live, he had a lot to say about wisdom. And wisdom is relevant for our lives. We want wisdom for our life. Like, We enjoy helpful, hopeful statements. I think this is why we like fortune cookies so much, right? Like, would anybody like a fortune cookie right now? How could I possibly throw fortune cookies through this screen? Well, I can't, but I have helpers. So if my helpers are going to start passing them out, you can enjoy opening them. I'll give you a minute uh, to look at them and stuff. Now, if somebody is watching this later on YouTube, you can pause the video run to Panda Express for lunch, then come back here with your fortune cookie for full effect. Now, if you're like me, it's not the cookie part that's so good. Like we eat the cookie so we can find the message inside. And sometimes that message is useful. And sometimes that message we wonder, who in the world are writing these things? But we like these statements because they go beyond just information. Now, we have plenty of information in our world. In fact, we have more information than we have ever had. Like the information pool is only growing. The internet is huge and wide and deep and full of information that we can access, but it often lacks wisdom. We see people that can take good information and use it incorrectly. That's not helpful. And so what we need is not more information, but wisdom, which is why we are opening up the book of Proverbs today. In the story of the Bible, God creates the world by carving light and order out of disorder and darkness, creating a place where life can flourish. And even today, God's God's ordering power is at work, preventing the cosmos from slipping back into chaos and nothingness. And in the Bible, 
Humanity has a key role to play in this ordering work. But to partner with God in that ongoing ordering of the world, we need wisdom. So within the Hebrew Bible, there's a scroll called Proverbs, and its theme is about gaining wisdom. And while most of the scroll is a collection of short Proverbs, it all begins with the first nine chapters that are speeches in which we meet a cast of symbolic characters. Four different voices, which we can listen to, presenting two differing options to choose from. There's a wise fatherly king and a woman named Lady Wisdom, and they're offering divine wisdom that leads to stability and life. But there are also a wicked man and a scheming woman called Lady Folly, and their way of life is attractive, but it leads to disorder and death. And so these speeches force you to make a choice. Whose advice will you listen to? These contrasting couples are like poetic symbols of the many voices out there telling us how to be human. It's like everywhere you turn, everyone is handing you a fortune cookie and you have to choose which ones lead to life and which ones lead to disaster. Now today, the source of our wisdom could come from many places, friends, family, our favorite news channel, people we follow on social media. But Solomon is going to challenge us in a very in the very first chapter to ask the question, whose advice are you going to listen to? Because if we don't listen to the voice of wisdom, we may find ourselves in a different place. If you push back on wisdom, understand to walk away from wisdom is to walk towards something else. And many of us, perhaps we've never considered, what are we backing into when we say, you know what, I may know what the wise thing to do is, but I'm just not going to do it. Solomon is going to outline three other options you might be choosing if you don't choose wisdom. Now, this might be offensive. We don't like people labeling us, right? But it might actually be helpful in the sense that it may reveal something about us that we need to change. We all have blind spots. So maybe this is a blind spot in your life. It might also be helpful because it gives you some lens to see other people's choices through and hopefully some advice on how to navigate life with people who aren't choosing wisdom. Now, the first option that Solomon talks about is being wise. But if you're not wise, you might be simple. Now, I think most of us would admit to sitting in the simple seat before because you've been young before. The simple person lacks something that older people generally get, and that something is experience. The simple person lacks experience. It's not that they're seeking to be unwise, it's just they don't know any better. Many of you teachers probably have students that come to mind. Many of you parents can think of children. The simple person is naive, or we might use the term clueless. Like, they're just clueless. They're not bad. They're not evil. They're not dumb. They're not trying to ruin their life. They're just clueless. It's not a criticism, but it is important. It's a warning because simple people simply don't have the experience to know better. They haven't had a failed relationship. They haven't racked up overwhelming credit card debt. They haven't struggled with addiction. And so when someone older sees a road they're going down, and we know better because we've been down that road, And we try to warn the simple because they're naive, they're clueless, they're simple. Because it's not a matter of being bad, it's just a matter of the fact that they lack experience. Now, if you try and correct or guide the simple, hey, uh, that's not the wise thing to do. Or, you know, you really should think that through. How do they respond to wisdom? 
Well, maybe you've heard some of these. The simple person will respond like this. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. They don't have the past experience to judge what those choices are going to lead to. So they just think, I'll be fine. I'm good. Nothing's going to happen. Or they might say, I can handle it. Maybe my friend wasn't able to handle it. My older brother wasn't able to handle it. But I'm special. I can handle it. Or maybe they say, you are just overreacting. You know, do you, do you know why I'm overreacting? Because I've been where you are. I have been in this chair and faced that same question and dealt with the consequences. And I don't want you to have to learn from experience. Because here's the cool thing for young people who find themselves in this place. You can have something that the rest of us can't have. You can have something that the older people would love to go back and be able to have. You have an opportunity, but it's not going to last forever. You can have it both ways. You can have the benefits of being young and the benefits of wisdom at the same time. You can have all the benefits of youth. You're young. Your life's ahead of you. Your knees work without making noise. You know, you can do all the cool things that young people get to do, and you can be wise at the same time. You do not have to allow your simpleness that you can't help, your cluelessness that you can't help, and the fact that you're a little bit naive when it comes to certain things that does not have to wreck and ruin and drive your life. You do not have to learn everything the hard way. You can have it all. You can have your youth and you can have wisdom, but you will have to seek wisdom. It will not come naturally. You'll have to ask for it. You're going to have to do the thing that nobody else in your culture is going to encourage you to do. You're going to have to stop at every invitation, every opportunity, every decision and say, okay, based on my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Now, the second category that we find in scriptures that Solomon talks a whole lot about is that of the fool. Now, the difference between the simple and the fool is that the fool knows, but the fool just doesn't care. It's like, uh, don't you know that's going to hurt you? Yes. You're going to do it anyway? Yes. Why? I don't care. So you know what happened last time and you're going to go there anyway? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, look, there's a warning on the side of the box and you're still going to do it? Yeah, because I don't care. You know, it's not good for your marriage. I don't care. That's a bad financial decision. I don't care. You know, I know I just don't care. Everyone who's made that decision before has gone down and gone down that path before. It's ended in destruction. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. And the person who's sitting here says, I'm just, I'm going to do it anyway. Solomon says, if this is you, you're foolish. You are a fool. And Solomon goes on to describe the behavior of a fool in this verse. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. So there's a good mental picture for you this morning. Probably not the verse you want to discuss over lunch today. But for anybody with a dog, you've seen this happen, right? Your dog leaves you a little present on the floor and then goes about cleaning up his own mess. And you say, what are you doing? Why in the world would you do that? Like, in what world is that a good choice? And Solomon looks at the fool and says the same thing. 
Why would you do that? Like last time you did that, you know what happened. Yes, I remember. I was there. And you're going to do it again? Yes. Why? I'm a fool. This is what fools do. We return to our vomit. Solomon continues to explain fools and he says, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. But don't you know where that leads? Yes, but it's fun. It's pleasurable. And the wise say, but it's like returning to vomit. And the fool says, no, it's not vomit. It's pleasure. Now, before we pass judgment on someone else's decision, perhaps we have been in this position. Perhaps we are there now. If you have an area in your life where you say to yourself, you know what? I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Solomon would say in that area in your life, you are a fool. That's what a fool does. A fool knows the difference between right and wrong, and they just don't care. A fool even knows the consequences of doing wrong, but they just don't care. So what has to happen for a fool to move from this position? Well, for the simple, it's pretty easy. The cure for the simple is time. Eventually, people grow up, they experience life, they learn their lesson, but for the fool, the cure isn't time, it's tragedy. They say, I don't care until they can't care anymore. They hit rock bottom, their spouse leaves, they end up in the hospital, they lose their job, their debts come due. Tragedy makes them seek wisdom. But Solomon warns us about the fools. And this is the verse our kids are talking about today in their environment. So you can ask them about it when you, when you pick them up. Here's the key verse for today. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. They say, it's my life. I can do what I want. It's my body. The fool thinks I can do what I want. It's my time. It's my body. It's my money. It's my decision. I'm only hurting myself. I'm not hurting anyone else. And Solomon says, that's just not true. The tragedy of being a fool, the tragedy of knowing right and wrong and deciding, I don't care, isn't that you just hurt yourself. It's that eventually you will hurt someone else. And you can say all day long, well, it wasn't my intention to hurt anyone, but they're still hurt but I never meant to. They're still hurt. But I was just, but they're still hurt because the companion of fools suffers harm. This is why parents are so concerned about who their kids are hanging out with. Because you can have the wisest kid in the group, but all it takes is being in the car with a fool at the wheel or around a fool who makes a bad decision and the companion of that fool will suffer harm. And so wisdom calls out to the simple, calls out to the full, leave your ways and seek wisdom. But there's a third group of people. This group of people that Solomon might say, if you know these people in this category, you might just want to cut ties with them because it's almost a waste of time to deal with them. And they are the mocker. Now, the mocker is someone who not only knows the difference between right and wrong, and they don't care. This is someone that's going to scoff at the people who choose to do what's right. They are critical and condescending. They control their world through cynicism. This is what Solomon says about the mocker. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. So it's not just that they don't care like the fool. They are actively trying to bring you down. Now, maybe you're thinking of someone right now because they just don't listen. They don't even argue because they can't even really engage in a conversation. They leverage whatever intellect they have, and they think that they're the smartest person in the whole room, and you can't win. So Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says, 
Just throw them out. Like there's nothing you can do. There's no hope. Now that's not God speaking. This is Solomon speaking, saying, in my experience, if you have a mocker, good luck. Because you're not going to talk them into changing. You're not going to show them new information where they say, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. Because they're not interested in knowledge. They just have to control with their cynicism, their criticism. They are mockers. This is the third option. So to bring these four options together, here's how we might summarize it. Correct the simple and they won't understand you. Correct a fool and they will ignore you. Correct a mocker and they will hate you. Correct the wise and they will thank you. Here's the thing. Eventually, the simple, the fool, and the mocker, eventually they all need wisdom. And at some point along the way, they find themselves in a situation where they can't think their way or talk their way out or criticize their way out. At some point along the way, everybody who is in one of these places, they need wisdom. The problem is, Solomon says, if, if you sit in one of these other seats long enough, eventually you'll get to the point where you can't even recognize wisdom. That's when somebody comes along and says, actually, here's the solution to your problem. But you sit here long enough, not only will you reject the solution, you won't even be able to recognize it. In fact, he says, you won't even be able to hear wisdom. You'll never even be able to find wisdom. You can be in one of these other places for so long that your situation is almost hopeless. Now, not from a standpoint of God's love. That has nothing to do with it. This has everything to do with your human experience. So here's what he does. At the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon pictures wisdom as a woman who's walking through the streets of a town or a village, and she's calling out, and she's saying, who wants wisdom? Who wants wisdom? You know, come and get it. Come and get it. And he personifies wisdom as a woman who's calling out to people in the streets, and this is what Solomon says. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wisdom gives everyone the same chance to listen and learn and live. But she gives a warning to those not heeding her call. Don't stay there too long, because if you don't listen to me, when disaster comes, and it will, it will be too late to call to me. 
In other words, if you choose to stay simple or foolish or mockers where you are too long, you may not even be able to hear her voice anymore. If you choose to ignore wisdom, she will choose to ignore you. But perhaps today is not too late for you. Perhaps you know you aren't listening to Lady Wisdom's advice in your life. You have turned to your own way or the way of others. But today, wisdom is calling. Will you listen? Will you listen to the advice of the wise fatherly king and lady wisdom as they offer divine wisdom that leads to stability and life? Or will you continue to listen to the call of the wicked man and lady folly? Because their way of life seems attractive, but it leads to disorder and death. Solomon sets before us a choice. Now, it's a choice that goes all the way back to the beginning of the whole story. Where will we turn for wisdom? The first characters were faced with this same choice. Do they listen to the voice of their creator, or do they reach out and take knowledge for themselves and decide good and bad in their own eyes? Page 3 says, Eve took the fruit and gave some to her husband. They chose to circumvent the wisdom of God. This is why God is so pleased with Solomon's request. Solomon can ask for anything. And Solomon says, I'm like a child. I don't know good from bad. I need God and his wisdom if I'm going to rule with justice and bring life and order to the kingdom. Where does wisdom come from? Solomon says wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Now that phrase, fear of the Lord, carries with it a bunch of different connotations. Perhaps it makes you think of some angry God that we have to appease and that we should live in this constant fear that he's going to strike us dead. But if you read the phrase in the context of how it's used elsewhere in Scripture, you're going to find three main concepts. One is an awareness of God, acknowledging Yahweh as the great creator and loving father. But beyond awareness, there is awe or reverence, because it's one thing to believe there is a God. James says even the demons acknowledge that there is a God. They are aware but they don't revere God as he deserves. But it goes a step further than awareness and awe to submission. It's acknowledging God is God and I am not. And since he is God, we should submit our lives to his ways. We should not take knowledge for our own glory, but humbly ask God for his wisdom. Lady Wisdom is a personified picture of God's infinite understanding. This figure of speech teaches us that to be wise is to be in a trusting relationship with God. And as we continue to read the Bible, the figurative language becomes reality as God's wisdom puts on a physical body. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We believe all wisdom and understanding are hidden in Him. Having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And just like Lady Wisdom says, those who find Jesus find abundant life. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 10, he says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. But all of this is hard to see. When life is difficult, resources are scarce. So to help us, Jesus gives us his very self. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus 
took the bread of the Passover feast and he gave it to his disciples. He explained that the bread was a symbol of his broken body for them. Eve took the forbidden fruit and gave it to Adam, which led to death. But Jesus took up his cross and gave himself to us, leading to life. He rose again and he ascended to the heavenly realm to give us access to an intimate relationship with his spirit of wisdom. Now, as we leave behind our own ways to follow Jesus, his wisdom leads us through every trial and into life. Jesus gives us himself. And the longer we walk with him, the more we recognize that his wise company is the ultimate joy of life. We walk with the wise and we become wise. Now, each week we meet with Jesus at a table. We celebrate a meal together called the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist. Now, at New Garden, we have three stations, two up front on the stage, one table in the back. And it's at the table we ask, are we listening to God's wisdom in our lives? Are we truly living in line with the core values of the cross? Most societies value success, education, wealth, beauty, and fame. This seems especially true in the celebrity craze culture that we live in. But God values humility and weakness and sacrificial service, all of which were made known most clearly through the incarnation, suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So as Jesus' followers, we're called to reject the world's value system and conform our lives to the great paradox of the cross, mimicking Jesus' example and allowing His cruciform way of life to become our own, which is only possible through the power and presence of His Spirit who lives in us. And it's through that Spirit that we meet with Jesus now as we go to the table. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.